Footy Ado, the Delusional Soccer Podcast. Footy Ado, a soccer delusion shared by two brothers in close association. Like, the podcast should start and you should, oh, and it should be recording and you should open up with, are we doing a story? And I say, tell me about seeing Arsenal for the first time. And you say, do I name it? And I say, it doesn't matter. And then you tell me the story. I really got the real thing in uh, beautiful dump Landover, Maryland. We've seen too many games in that stadium. I have been to that stadium two times since I last went to a Giants game. Uh, a home Giants game. Um, Nick still has a piece of the cup holder that I took out of the stadium from the Thanksgiving Giants game in his car. Um, but seeing Arsenal in person for the very first time was pretty incredible considering they gave me the real thing. You know, go up 2-0, sending off, disappointment. And that's I, I just wanted authentic Arsenal, and that's what I got. Yeah, I, mean. I got to see Aubameyang and Lacazette score right in front of me. I got to see poor American refereeing for the International Champions Cup. Uh, Emiliano Martinez has the ball in his hands, and Asensio kicks it out, and they count the goal that Bale uh, eventually scores. Um, I unfortunately got to see Marco Asensio tear his ACL. Um... And I got to see Arsenal disappoint just about everyone in a penalty shootout. But all in all, a fantastic experience. Um, I got the new Bruised Banana 2.0 away kit, um, which is actually my first Arsenal jersey that I don't have a name on the back. kind of like it. Yeah, there's no, there, no one can disappoint you. Exactly. And you can't you can't get the number wrong. You can't. You they can't yeah. They can't change their number. Yourself. They can't yeah. They right. can't really can't, do anything. You can't blame yourself for a poor season. You know, like the last two jerseys I got, one was Alvaro Morata, number nine. So then he changed his number, and then he disappointed. And then now Andreas Christensen, for no reason at all, changed his number to four this year. Did he really? Yeah, he changed it to four. I mean, not no reason at all. He was a defender with number twenty-seven. Yeah, but the most famous defender at your club was number 26. So number 27 isn't that weird. Yeah, but if if he was going to do something that shadowed the most famous defender that the club's ever had, he would go with that number. But he wanted a lower squad number, just as most as most people do. It's like a striker switching from, say, like 18 to, to 9. You want the number 9 as a defender, as a center back. You want a 4 or a 5 or a 6 or something like that, so... You said you want the number nine as a defender. No, I said that as a striker. Okay. Well, I'm sure we can go back and... I'm sure I can go back and fact check and see that I'm absolutely wrong. And not edit it out of the podcast. Well, what do you mean edit? What is that? It... uh, Never mind. Wait, Um, wait. People... People edit their podcasts? I don't have to publicize every dumb thing we've said? Yeah. Fuck. Um, yeah, I'm. Tr- I'm trying to figure out what I want to do for for a jersey this year. Chelsea's third kit just leaked, which is the one I'm absolutely getting. Um, wasn't a huge fan of the home kit. wasn't 
I mean, the, I kind of like the the away kit, but you know, I kind of want to get a a U.S. Women's National Team kit, and it's basically the same color scheme. Um, yeah, I do like the the away kit. The away kit is clean. Yeah, but um, the the third kit that leaked, it's black with like that red around the collar, right? Yeah, the red trim on it. Which is um, much better than the leak that we saw a while ago that had just like a lion on the front of the jersey for whatever reason. Good to see that wasn't real. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, this this is one I think I've seen. A, I saw a leak of this a while ago, and then kind of more uh, more of an official leak uh, came out with a more realized version of it, and I I really like it. So I'm I'm looking forward to getting that jersey. It's just deciding whose name I want on the back. Of we it. know you're getting the 22 on the back. Come on. Well, I want the 22. I also want Ruben Loftus cheek, and I'm also considering. I don't know if I. I feel like I should get the Pulisic, but I don't know if I want to wait and get him on a blue jersey. Um, okay. But. So. Yeah, and definitely don't get the blue kit from this year because that thing is atrocious. Yeah. I saw it up close in person. Um, this was actually like right after they released it. Saw someone in like a Coles wearing it, and like from far away, I'm walking in there with Katie. From far away doesn't look too bad then we got close and katie just goes oh my god that thing is so ugly did you two foot him i should have <laughs> i went against everything i know and didn't two foot him which in hindsight seems like a mistake um but yeah that's uh that's that's an ugly one but uh the black one very very nice and uh i don't know maybe maybe you go my route maybe you get no name on the back I do have one with no name on the back. All right, which maybe I actually you, wish uh, I ended up getting a hazard or a, on, on the back of it. I, I do have a hazard, but it's not a blue one. I kind of wish I had a blue hazard jersey. Which um, which hazard one do you have? I have from the year they won the title the the black third kit. Okay. So that year I got a real jersey, um, with hazard on it, and I also got two like knockoffs of the home and away with Ingolo Conte and Batshuayi on it. There you go. Um, Batsman. Club back. legend. He's back. We're back. Back to doing <laughs> we have, We're back from our little our summer break, which is actually conveniently. It's actually, I feel like the our breaks in between our latest podcast probably are shorter than some of the breaks we take in during the season when, when scheduling conflicts come up and we're unable to record. Listen, I'm happy to be back at it. I really am. Um, so... Let's uh, let's take a look at the transfer business. We're gonna um, focus on the big six um, with a Minus little Chelsea. bit <laughs> with a little bit of mentions uh, elsewhere. But you know, Ch- Chelsea, we can look at because uh, the outgoing. Um, so now that now that you said we're not gonna start, we're not gonna talk about Chelsea at all. We're gonna start with them. Um, right. Mateo Kovacic was able to uh, be signed because he was already a registered Chelsea player last season. So it was either sign him for the fee that Madrid demands or don't bring in any uh, midfield players. So I think, although I'm not really convinced that he is a Chelsea-level player, or especially not a Real Madrid-level player, um, I think it is a move that kind of was necessary and the club's bad decisions that led to the transfer ban forced their hand here. Um, 
But then also, of course, coming in is Christian Pulisic. He was signed in January and then loaned back to Dortmund for the remainder of the season, which wasn't really a loan back. Um, but that move was was done then because of the transfer ban again. They needed to register him in January so that they could have him for this upcoming season. So as far as incoming business goes, not a lot because of the ban. But what do you think of the two moves that were made? Um, I mean, I like them so far. I mean, like what you said with, with Kovacic, you might not... I don't know if it's like exactly what Chelsea needed, but it's kind of really all they could do. And I think it was good business considering they were able to secure his signing due to him being a registered Chelsea player. I think, I think he is a quality player as long as they play him in sort of the right role. Cause like if you're putting him too far forward and asking him to, to contribute uh, goals, it's, it's, he's, he's not the quality player you, uh, suited for Chelsea but I think when he sits a little bit deeper he's very good in possession um, he's obviously not the type of player that N'Golo Kante is but as long as you have other creative midfielders around him he can sort of link that play out pretty well so I think I think it's a decent it's a decent move especially when you look at necessity and um, the current situation for Chelsea so obviously it's something they have to do I'm hoping that um, you know maybe he, he surprises us and you know maybe creates a little bit more than he had done last year and, and Pulisic it's it's an exciting signing for you know for me as it obviously as an American and also a Chelsea fan but um, I think what I've seen from him so far is 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 very promising obviously he's not gonna be able to replace uh, Aiden Hazard but um, I think he is he's a solid He's a solid signing and a young player um, with a great work ethic um, and a great personality, and I think I think that's gonna go a long way with with him at Chelsea. I'm just I'm, I'm hoping I'm not wrong about that because you know we need we need uh, people say I specifically need him to succeed on two fronts. You obviously need him to succeed on one, and hope that he fails miserably on the other, but. Uh, it's a signing I'm excited about. Like I said to you last week, I am not responsible for the way that I react to Christian Pulisic in a Chelsea shirt. I do not hold myself responsible in any way for the things that I will say about him. Um, I haven't said anything too bad quite yet, but uh, I'm a I'm a guy that's uh, really I'm all in on the on the U.S. during national team games. I will be behind him as much as I can be um, when the U.S. is playing, especially in meaningful games, friendlies, fuck that guy too. Um, but in a Chelsea shirt, I mean, it, it, I'm, it's club over country for me. Um, so um, I'm excited to have that interesting rivalry. I really am. I, I can say, oh, yeah, fuck, it, fuck him. I, but I am interested to see Chelsea Arsenal, Pulisic scores, how I react. Um, hopefully it doesn't get to that. But um, the biggest news that you did mention for Chelsea this summer is Hazard out to Real Madrid. And another thing I got, you know, is Arsenal-Real Madrid in Maryland. And I got to see Hazard. And what was the season that he won Player of the Year? Uh, he won Player of the Year in 2014-2015. Okay, so yeah, I got to see 2015-2016 Hazard. He was uh, 
fat and non-existent. It was pretty great. Inject uh. that right into my veins. Seriously, he so he played on the left wing. The fullback is Carl Jenkinson because uh, Maitland Niles uh, picked up a knock in the warmups, and you would have expected him to run all over uh, Jenkinson. Now, mind you, Real Madrid did have a sending off within. 10 minutes or something like that. So that complicated matters a little bit, but he came off at halftime. Arsenal, of course, had the second yellow card for Socrates in about two yellow cards in about two minutes. Um, but I we really did not see any flair from Hazard. He was also going away from us in the first half and didn't play in the second half. Um, but am I glad he came out? Absolutely. Because... Marcelo was going at uh, Jenkinson as the fullback in the second half, and Marcelo looked unbelievable. It, that was a cool, a cool player to see right up close, um, and he ended up winning man of the match for that game. Um, Marcelo's fun to watch in preseason because there's no, there's no really defensive responsibility. No, there is not. Truly worry about. He has he just runs just wild. disregard for defensive res- responsibilities and just bomb forward. And, you know, not that he doesn't bump forward in the actual season, but um, he can do it a little bit more uh, without stressing about getting back. Yeah, um, preseason Marcelo is one of the, ba- the the greatest players of all time. Give him the Ballon d'Or. I'm all in. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Hazard leaving, that's a, you know, one for the Premier League that, you know, we're going to miss him. Um, he's just a guy that, of course, besides the season that I mentioned, the season that Lester won the title and he uh, scores half a goal all year, um, he has been an amazing player for Chelsea, and it's just made the league more exciting. It's made the league more attractive. People have signed for Chelsea because they wanted to play with him um, and you know join him in the attack, and now he's gone. And it's it, the the circumstances that he is leaving under, you know, you know, scoring in the Europa League final and you know, winning a European trophy before going out um, and, you know, keeping Chelsea in the Champions League was was big. Um, and now he's on to bigger and better things in La Liga. And we're going to see yeah. how well, big of a difference to, he makes. Yeah, you hold on to that uh, that delusion that, you know, in a preseason game, Carl Jenkinson had him in his pocket. You can you take that. I'll take the Europa League and Champions League football. I mean, Carl Jenkinson, I don't even know if he's let him out yet. Just give him the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> Carl Jenkinson's the best defender in the entire world. And I will hear no arguments against that, please. Um, now let's move on to, let's go to the champions. Manchester City. Um, not, you know, a lot of business for them. They bring in Rodri from Atletico Madrid. They bring back Angelino from PSV, who they had sold, uh, I want to say, the season before. Um, American goalkeeper Zach Steffen signs, um, who will you know will go out on loan, but not too many moves in for uh, in for Man City. Um, you know, going out, you lose Vincent Company, the captain of the club, the scorer of that goal that you know, helped clinch the title. Um, that rocket, Fabian Delph goes to Everton. Um, 
So really not too much movement as far as, you know, big names at Man City this season, but not exactly sure if they really need uh, reinforcements. Right. It's a, it's a tough, I mean, you're so successful. Um, it's, it's a tough thing to sort of gauge. And it's, you know, teams have often struggled with defending their titles when they, you know, don't add reinforcements that may seem unnecessary at the time. But I think Rodri is a, is a good signing. It's an important signing. Obviously, you need to fill up, um, you know, the, the people that they have on their team. Some of their veteran players are coming to the end of the line. Um, and, you know, you got to be able to, you got to be prepared for that because a lot of the times, like you look at, you, we, we mentioned for other reasons, uh, 2015, 2016 Chelsea, and that team won the league the year before. And it was like the final year of a lot of their players playing really well. And then all of a sudden next year, it was just like a big drop and you want to avoid that at all costs. And I think getting a couple signings is important. I don't know if they necessarily have done enough considering they still, they've won the league twice. They've had two of the best seasons in Premier League history twice. Um, but they, they got to, they really got to um, start going for that Champions League really like look around and see what can we do to become the best team in the world to win that competition um and you know it remains to be seen if that'll be if that'll be enough of the do it's going to be imp- it's going to be big to see what happens with Leroy Sané too I think that's going to be the biggest business whether he stays or goes before the deadline that's going to be the biggest thing for them this summer yeah and of course um Man City defeated Liverpool in the Community Shield on penalties uh match ended 1-1 uh, City dominated the first half. Liverpool dominated the second half. Kind of a, a fair result to, you know, after 90 minutes and then go into penalties. City get the win after uh, Claudio Bravo saves uh, Wijnaldum's penalty. Um, that was the only one not to go in. But, um, yeah, it's what, what's going to take them um, over that hump that they can't get past to, to win the Champions League? Uh, Pep Guardiola, of course, you know, is asked about that and says, you know, Premier League is always the number one focus. And it's good for him to say that, you know, it kind of saves his back. If he says that the Champions League is his biggest focus and they don't win that, then it is it just looks worse. But, um, you know, the league is always number one um, no matter what. And then even though that winning a Champions League final is pretty much the peak of club football, you have to, you know, the the league is the reason that that you play. Yeah, it's, so, and it's easier. It's more straightforward on how to win that. Like, yes. You know, when it gets to, like, the best teams don't always win the Champions League. They don't always, they don't even always make it because circumstances, you know, in terms of draw, timing of the season, form at that time, very much comes into play. And it's a lot of, like, one-off games are going to, or two-off, you know, Two leg games are going to um, are going to affect it differently than than the league. The league is a more comprehensive uh, measure of how how good your team is, mm-hmm. not how hot your team is. Now, moving to the team that they beat in the Shield, uh, the Community Shield today, Liverpool. Once again, not many moves. They have not brought in anybody of. Uh, importance really you know they signed a a teenage center back um, out of the out of the Dutch league um, but really no moves in 
um, that are going to be a huge benefit to the team. Um, going out, you have Alberto Moreno, who left. Uh, Daniel Sturridge, who left. Moreno is with Villarreal now. Sturridge still has not signed with the club. Um, so um, not a lot of movement there. And, you know, they're only one point. They were only one point off the title last season. And they were, at, what, centimeters away from the title had that ball gone over the line against, uh, against City and that, you know, in their only defeat of the season. Um, so I really would have liked to see them bring in, like, honestly, maybe just a defender that's going to, you know, even if he's not, even if it's not a starting defender, it's someone that's going to, you know, compete and push players like uh, Joe Gomez and Joel Matip and uh, Lovren to, you know, not slip up. You need that competition. You know, they have those three have each other to compete against, but um, maybe someone, uh, you know, a little bit, you know, with, that's got a good promise in him, but nothing as of yet. You know, we still got a, a little under a week left in the window. Um, so there's still possibilities for him, but just, they just didn't really, they just haven't gone into the market and they're comfortable with, with what they've got. I'm not sure how I like that approach, considering, you know, if you don't win the league, you have to improve. That's the bottom line. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't really like the complacency from Liverpool, and that's that's what worries me about them going into this, this new season. Yeah, I think, I think it can be looked at one of two ways with both, you know, their sort of restrained approach with Liverpool and even, even City. Um, you know, I think... I think Liverpool is a little bit younger, so like they're kind of still going, and they have that drive that they haven't like, you know, you know, City could end up being a little bit more complacent, having won the league two years in a row, whereas Liverpool have yet to reach that, so they kind of have a little bit more of a drive, and they're pushing towards it. And what these the lack of moves, you know, you could argue it gives them a bit of continuity, because um, they're a pretty deep team to begin with. So you'd have to hope that maybe that's what will end up helping them out and that's kind of what their approach is let's let's keep this let's keep this unit kind of the way it was and just keep driving what we did last year was great let's keep pushing and if we play the same way we did last year um you have a real shot at at, at taking the trophy home now on to spurs spurs uh still still in a quest for a trophy it's been uh, quite some time since they've won some silverware. Uh, we're not going to ah, count the. the we're Audi not going to count the 2019 Audi Cup. All right, they let's calm the, down. They won the Audi Cup. Let's not forget the Audi Cup. <laughs> um, on on the way out at Spurs, um, Fernando Llorente is gone. Um, Vincent Janssen, real big player for <laughs> for Spurs over the years, has gone to Mexico to play with Monterrey. Um, but coming in, they've got. Uh, a guy who I still have not figured out how to pronounce his name. Um, it looks like 60 million euros from Lyon for Tangai Nandambele. What, like, it, it, it's just... That's pretty good. I'm not even going to try. I want you to try. Spell it for me. N-D-O-M-B-E-L-E. Yeah. Could could the N be silent? Nandambele. You probably Nandambele or something. I don't know. Maybe Dumbele. <laughs> Dumbele. They brought back uh, Musa Dumbele. 
Um, no, but they, you know, they have a, a central midfielder which they've needed. Um, they've needed more options in the center of the park. Um, mostly defensively, they need. Um, the latest report is that Bruno Fernandez prefers Spurs over United. Yes, I'm seeing that. And I just got an update on my phone from Bleacher Report that uh, Man United have ended their uh, pursuit of uh, Paulo Dybala from Dybala, Juventus. Right. So um, we'll talk about that in just a second. But do you think Spurs have done enough to push themselves forward? Um, I know that... Um, I know that... Pochettino has said, came out and said that they should change his title because he has no say over transfers. He's not the manager. Um, he's more of just the first team coach, really, um, the head coach. Um, and you Which know, is they, insane. they signed well they signed done. nobody last season. Yeah, and you know they've brought in one midfielder. They've let Kieran Trippier go to Atletico Madrid for a twenty-two million euro fee. Um, which that's a solid haul. Yeah, for for a player who struggled last season in the World Cup for England, he was fantastic, and then just couldn't really uh, put it together last year for for Spurs. But um, yeah. are are they doing enough to to you know take that next step to win silverware? Um, I, I think they're almost there. I think, I mean, that's like, if they get Bruno Fernandez, like if they get more in that midfield, I think that's going to be, um, pretty solid. Also, they have to hope that, you know, Harry Kane is healthy for, for most of the year. And I think with Lucas Mora kind of becoming more a part of that team, um, more continuity there. Again, a lot of continuities kind of, it could just be an excuse to what that's, that's, that's what you tell yourself when you're not spending a lot of uh, money or buying a lot of players. But I think, I, I think there are a couple signings away from really, I think, I mean, this is a team that went to the champions league final yeah. last year. So, um, you know, I think it's more down to the health of the players that they have. Uh, and yeah, I think they need to maybe make like one more signing if they get Bernard Fernandez. I think that is enough for them to really consider themselves contenders. You think that that signing puts them? Do you think it puts them in the same bracket as Liverpool and Man City? Um, no, I don't. Th- I think maybe right under that. Not, not to say that they can't win the league regardless, um, even if they're not in that same bracket, because you never know what can happen. Um, I think right now, I think Liverpool and City are probably they're in the top tier of just teams in Europe, not yeah. just England. And I think Spurs are probably. I like right under that, um, with that, especially with that signing. Um, but yeah, I think Spurs can be. An, I think Spurs are going to be an interesting team this year. Having gone through that Champions League heartbreak, I think, I think they're going to be an interesting team in this title race this year. Yeah, it's you know a, a, a defeat like that can either um, deflate you or it can push you on to help you, uh, you know, take that next step. Like I'm saying, like. Um, so we'll see what impact it has. Um, Daly Alley is probably going to miss the beginning of the season for Spurs. Um, recently picked up an injury, so we'll uh, we'll see if if they're slow out of the gates. Um, I think that Harry Kane is going to be on fire to start the season. I think he has something to prove after you know the critics of the final, which I'm one of them, and I stand by my statement that he should not have started that Champions League final. 
um, after being out for so long and Lucas Mora getting them to the final with a hat trick in the second leg of the semifinal. Um, but he's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got to, you know, help take this team um, to the promised land, whether that is even just an FA Cup victory. Um, I think that would take a lot of pressure off this team. I don't see them winning the Premier League. I see them being one of the teams at the top. I can absolutely say with confidence they'll finish in the top four, but I don't really see them getting close to winning the title this season. Um, so we'll, you know, it's something, that, you know, as time goes on, it, even as this week goes on, we're going to, this is our last last time we're talking, and I mean first time we're talking in a while, but last time we're talking before the end of the transfer window, before the start of the season. So next weekend we can kind of look at things with a, a bit more clarity as far as who's playing for who, what moves did they make towards the end of the window, and how is that going to shape out the season. But Spurs, they I think they do need that that signing of uh, Fernandez for to to help them this season and to finally get a piece of silverware. Um, and now on to my beloved, my beloved Arsenal. It's incredible what a new season can, what what mood a new season can put you in. Um, might as well just give them the Premier League, give them the Europa League, give them the FA Cup, give them the Capital One Cup. They're going to win it all. That pretty much covers it, right? Of course. Yeah, yeah, I think that sounds about. That sounds about right to me. Um, so the big moves, Nicolas Pepe from Lille, uh, a move that, you know, it, it was expected he was going to go to Bayern Munich or, you know, Napoli, a Champions League club was not expected that he was going to sign for Arsenal, but they've got him. Um, it's an 80 million uh, euro fee. It's the club record, which they have broken several times, uh, recently, uh, they broke it for Ozil in 2013-14. They broke it with Lacazette. They broke it with Aubameyang just six months later, and now they break it um, 18 months later with Pepe. They got William Saliba from St. Etienne. Um, he is going to go back on loan, uh, the young French center back. He's going to go back on loan uh, to St. Etienne for uh, the next season and then join up with the Gunners next summer. Um and uh, an underrated move, in my opinion, the loan signing of Danny Ceballos from Real Madrid. A player that Zinedine Zidane is not a huge fan of, but this guy has a lot of talent. Um, he's a can be a solid replacement for Ed Ramsey. He can play out wide if need be. Um, but uh, that's a, a good haul uh, coming in this season. And then departures for Arsenal. As I just mentioned, Ramsey goes to Juventus for a free transfer. Um, you know, club legend David Ospina's at Napoli on a permanent deal there. Uh, Petr Cech, of course, retired. And then my favorite player, my favorite Arsenal player of all time, undoubtedly Danny Welbeck, uh, leaves on a free transfer. Still without a club, though. So uh, something to pay attention to was the... Uh, so I don't, I don't know if I'd call that a transfer. <laughs> Um, yeah, but like, uh, you know, what are you going to do? He left on a free. He left on a free. Um, I, I just think it's no one can, for... no one can afford Welbeck. He's just that good. Yeah. Yeah, of course. 
Well, no, most teams like okay. Well, if we have to sign Welbeck, we have to get another team doctor, um, <laughs> which we just can't afford that salary at the moment. Amazing haul for Arsenal, um, considering that their transfer budget was forty million this year, and I think they've what probably doubled or tripled it already. Uh, just um, about tripled it, yeah. Just about tripled it. Okay, which is insane because normally it's like, oh, Arsenal say they're going to spend big, and then they're like, oh, um, hey, this this uh, world class player will give you thirteen million for him. <laughs> yeah. That's... No, no, we want a million. We want we want a hundred million uh, euros. Okay, fifteen, you... and you've got a deal. <laughs> yeah, we'll give you fifteen. Um, yeah, honestly, like. I, going into the transfer window, I had zero expectations because of that reported forty million uh, transfer fee. Um, the what type of dread did that put you under when you heard that? Like, what, oh, hey guys, just so you know, like last year we missed out on the Champions League, we lost comprehensively in the Europa League final. We're gonna spend forty million euros. I figured forty million on the defense wasn't still wasn't gonna be enough to get them into the top four. Um, so it it. It had me not excited to, like, I haven't, I didn't pay attention to anything that was going on in the summer, and then I started getting notifications, oh, Pepe possibly going to Arsenal, I'm like, holy shit, how are they pulling that off? might be coming, too. Yeah, Coutinho Coutinho could be coming on loan or permanently, it could be loan with an option to buy, Um, Samuel Mtiti is a rumored signing, um... I feel like there's another one that I'm missing, but I can't. I can't. Tierney. Think. Kieran Tierney, there it is. Um, so we'll see if he joins from Celtic to replace the man that should be the captain of the club in Syed Kolesinac. Um, <laughs> after fighting off knife wielding attackers, <laughs> Ozil just drives away while <laughs> while Kolesinac is uh, fighting these fighting guys with his knives. bare hands. I was hey man, just like, I'll yeah, see I'll, I'm I'll out. See I'll see you training. I'll see you training tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you're gonna have to ask someone else for a ride to training. I'm, I'm out. Um, but uh, overall, a, a good, a good summer so far. If they bring in a defender, not it's they, they need to bring in a center back, and they need to make sure that Mustafi is not with the club because if, if the center back we bring in gets hurt. I don't want Mustafi to be an option. Right, you want you want okay, you you'd rather have Emery say, "Oh, you know what? Maybe I'll have to just like put El Nani or Chaka back there." Murdisacker come out of retirement, we need you. Yeah, just like you don't want yeah, like just remove that option entirely like, it's... I'd rather have Albamiang play center back. Oh my gosh. Arsenal games are going to be exciting next year. I mean, it's get they're gonna be like gonna six be eight five to ten goals yeah, overall. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take the over for every single Arsenal game because they've got a fantastic attack and they cannot defend to save their goddamn lives. Yeah, we'll see what the midfield can can provide them for cover. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see. What do we got? We got one more team to really focus on on the, on the transfers, and that's United, Manchester United. Um, what have they done? They have lost. Uh, well, I mean, Antonio Valencia, he's gone. Andrew Herrera goes to PSG for you know on a free transfer. 
Um, and uh, they've brought in Daniel James from Swansea, a, uh, a young winger, 21 years old. And they have brought in Aaron Wan-Bissaka, a young fullback. Um, okay. Like I said, that Paolo Dybala move seems like it is off now. Is uh, Lukaku 100% gone? Is he already no, gone? he is no, not. He's still technically there, right? He's still technically there. Um, I've never been a fan of Lukaku. I'm all for United uh, getting rid of him. But Country there's also... Lukaku there's also Lukaku any day. Yeah, there's also rumors that they could be bringing in Mandzukic from Juventus, which would be not a great replacement because Lukaku's scoring record is better than his. He's yeah. not... It's not like he adds a different dimension. You're not going to be talking about 33- or 34-year-old Mandzukic's pace that he adds to the attack for... Yeah, they just hope his first touch is better. Exactly. Um, Which, how could it not be? Yeah, like they're like, okay, we'll send Lukaku to Juventus. Can we have Dybala? No. All right, you got any other strikers? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, we'll just take them. We'll take them. Yeah, so, you know, we could see... um, We could see... Rashford as a center forward. You could see Martial as a center forward. Um, so, you know, they have some options, but um, I, they, they have what, five days to get this sorted out. Uh, Lukaku going away or who they're bringing in. Um, and it looks like they're bringing in Slabhead. I did see a picture of him at the training ground at United's training ground today. Slabhead. So, um... That's a solid move. It is. $85 million for Slabhead seems absurd to me. If, I mean, that's just the market now, man. It's I know, but, like, you can't just say every summer or, or every, every year, every year and a half, a center back is going to then be the most expensive in the world because... Harry Maguire is not—he's—he's he's not a better center back than Virgil Van Dyke. It's not particularly close. He's a good center back, but the fact that he's English really inflates that price. He's an English player coming from an English club to another English club, so that price is just skyrocketed. Just like the fifty-five million yeah. they paid for Juan Bissaka, that would not be the the fee if he was coming from. Yeah. A French club, if he was coming from a Spanish club, or if he wasn't English. Maybe. I mean, I think I think you look at... I've always thought with, like, signing players um, from other leagues. Like, I've always felt like... if I think if, like... Let's see, what, Pepe? What's the Lille equivalent in the Premier League, would you say? Um, the Lille equivalent... They finished second last year, I believe, in... in right, I get, yes, but I also... But, it's, I think it's weird to put that... Like, you don't put them second. You don't, You wouldn't say they're like Liverpool. You would say no. they're more like kind of right outside that top five, top six. Yeah, I would say they're more kind of maybe like around a, like a... A Leicester or Wolves? Probably, what I would say, say like a Wolves. You know, a Wolves or an Everton for as far as the expectations we have of those clubs this season. Right. So I think, well, like, if say if Pepe was on Everton and had an excellent season and then Arsenal, people would be less excited about him. The fact that he's, I feel like, I think there's like a kind of a shield. When people come from overseas, you don't see as much of them, but there's hype around them. They're more exciting. Like, oh, this guy's going to be amazing once he comes to the Premier League. 
Yeah. Like, but again, I think it's also, and then when you flip it, I think they they might cost less because they for they they're more exciting yet they cost less. But when they're when they're coming from another team in the Premier League that we see so much, it's like they're not nearly as exciting as like the prospect of a foreign player, but they cost more, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I guess the, the less, ex, the less exciting thing about it, you know, too, is say he was at Everton, Pepe was at Everton or, um, you know, you look at it and say, well, he's already gone up against all these, all the clubs in the league, except for the teams that are newly promoted, you know, mm-hmm. they've already seen him. They've already gotten their chance to figure out how to stop him. Whether or not they were successful is one thing, but you can kind of have a better idea. Not that we don't have scouts watching these players all over. It's just not the same as actually going up against them. As a defender, you can say, oh, we scouted this guy, you know, and we know how we want to play him, and then he's running at you, and it's a completely different different, a yeah, completely different thing. So I feel like that adds to the excitement and the thrill of mm-hmm. of this. And players in the French League, they, you know, the young players in the French League, they still see, they see the Premier League as you know, the next move that, you know, yeah. they're working hard in that league to then earn their, uh, their move to the Premier league to one of the big six clubs. Right. Um, I mean, you look at Lille in particular, Aubameyang was on Lille before he went to Dortmund. You had Hazard came directly from Yale from Lille won the league with Lille and came over and, um, you know, tore it up for Chelsea for six seasons. Yeah. Um, Trevino yeah, did not have quite the same impact. I think I think Payet might have been on Lille at some point too. I'm not sure. Payet came from Marseille and then went back to Marseille. No, I know that. I'm saying maybe. Before, I think no, he that. Marseille. Okay. So, but Harry Maguire. Payet plays. Um, he plays for Marseille. Yeah. Okay. But back to Harry Maguire, who now looks seemingly will be. So Dimitri Payet, he's the number ten for Marseille. Um, he signed for West Ham, and then he signed for Marseille again. No, he actually did play uh, three seasons at Lille. Seventy-one. <laughs> Come on, you're you're putting me through all of that, and, and you were right. I was right. Yeah. Okay. That's well, Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire. Um, I think that's an. Ex- I guess it's a lot of money. I don't know. It's an exciting. I think it's an exciting signing. It's certainly more than I have. It's. <laughs> it certainly is. Um, All right, you have to be back doing this. (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think he could end up being. um, Not to get delusional, I think he could end up being Manchester United captain one day. Okay. I shouldn't have said not to get delusional. That's the point of the podcast. I mean, he's twenty six years old. He's an English player. I think it's. It's a, a good shout. Um, he, he's he been very good for Leicester City. David Moyes actually tried to sign him for United when he was on Sheffield. Um, he's had an incredible rise. He was on Sheffield but before Hull. Then he went to Hull. Yes. They got relegated. Then he went to Leicester. Yeah, Sheffield. Or uh, Hull got relegated and sold Andrew Robertson and Harry Maguire. Champions League winner and the world's most expensive defender. Yeah. Played for Hull. Hull. But Payet played for West Ham before going back to Marseille. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. he never went to Hull. <laughs> no, Paya didn't play for Hull. <laughs> I'm glad we got that covered. Okay, glad we have the Dimitri Payet bit for this season. There we go. One bit down. We'll have to come up One with some more. One bit down. Uh, can't wait to be back on Cue the Banter so I can bring to the table my uh, my Airbud bit. That's that's one of the best there is. Oh my gosh. Um, um, do you have a delusion ready for uh, this episode? No, but I mean, I just said Harry Maguire is going to be Manchester United. Captain I'll take that day. one. I'll take that one. We'll go with that one. Um, now, before I get to uh, what I think might be a delusional thought, I just actually have to remember it. Um, out of the you know these fringe teams that are going to be fighting for like a Europa League spot, um, and these teams I'm including are Wolves, Leicester, and Everton. Who okay. is the most likely to break into the Big Six this season? Wolves, Leicester, Everton? Yes. Everton just got Moise Keane from Juventus. 19-year-old striker. That's a huge signing. Yeah, so that way they don't have to have uh, uh, what Cenk Tosun up, up top all the time. Yeah. Um, I th- think I think the most likely. Who'd you say? Sorry, you cut out a little bit. I think you had to look at... Oh, sorry. I said uh, Leicester. Leicester? Okay. Yeah. I think you also got to look at West Ham. I think another year with Pellegrini. Yeah. Um, the, you know, that's... Tough, and they that, get sleep on... I think they're going to... They might be a team that could sneak into that, you know, Europa League conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's not the top six. Then you also have Watford, who's, you know, still pushing for that. You know, and West Ham signed Sebastian Haller from Frankfurt for $40 million. They got Pablo Fornals from Villarreal for close to $30 million. Um, you know, the cancer that is Marco Arnautovic has gone to China. Uh, good oh, riddance. Has <laughs> um, wow. So, have so some good moves. Any, have Wolves made any headlines? Any, made so, any splashes? Wolves uh, brought in Pedro Neto. He's a 19-year-old winger from Lazio. Patrick okay. Coutron, the center forward from AC Milan. Um, okay, so some interesting signings there. Who else? Another, a young midfielder, uh, Bruno Jordal from Lazio as well. So you know they're making making some moves, and they, you know they finished they finished seventh last season already. So um, they're hoping that that moves them moves them on up in the world. Yeah, and again, not to be delusional, and I want to make this like um, but. I will say this. Aston Villa have spent a lot of money this window. See towards I, the top. I get I get worried about um, teams overspending when about they teams overspending. I, are they gonna have the Fulham effect? Cause Fulham brought in some good players know. last season and let me tell you, dude, they fucking sucked. <laughs> They pardon, were pardon the they were bad. Fulham uh, hot take. Here's my delusion. Fulham fucking sucked last year. <laughs> Fulham bad. Fulham bad. Um, now I think a move. Honestly, um, I think a move that Aston Villa should go for. Honestly, there's been talk about this player going to Burnley, but I think Gary Cahill should go to West to Aston Villa. I think that work would be under a solid John move. Terry. Work, Work with his boy John Terry, his defensive partner for a couple of years. Give it a couple seasons, seasons and move move into the coaching setup. Yeah, maybe if he wants to, but I think that would be a good move 
for them. I, I mean, I think he still has. I think he can. He still has the quality to play um, for you know a lower a lower end Premier League team. Uh, and you know he's a veteran. He's he's won. He's won every trophy you can. That's someone you want in, in your dressing room. Um, I think that would be a solid move for Aston Villa because he hasn't gotten a team yet. I think Burnley had talked about it about getting them, which would be another solid move. So good spot for him. I could see him going to Burnley. So there's rumors that the you know you need the one big transfer to um, be the thing that gets the the wheel moving for transfers, and um, I think Gary Cahill could be part of that because you could see Leicester City replace um, Slabhead with Tarkovsky from Burnley, and then that would open up a spot for Gary Cahill. Bring in a senior guy who has won plenty of trophies. Um, he's captained a, a a big six club, and that that can only help your case. It can only help out the locker room. He would he would be getting playing time, so he would be a happy player at, at Burnley. Um, so that's that's a possibility. Either way, Footy Adu thinks Gary Cahill will be playing in claret and blue next season. Yeah. Just like Dimitri Payat used to when he played for West Ham. <laughs> Not Hull. Before going back to, what was it? What was the club you went back to? Marseille. Marseille, okay. I was, I, I, the thing with Gary Cahill I was pretty interested in was like, he didn't have, like I don't know too much of what the personal relationship was with Sarri, but Sarri didn't really trust him as a player. Um, and he just wasn't really involved with Chelsea uh, from a playing standpoint last year or even involved with the coach at all, which was kind of odd for him being the club captain, which was sort of kind of what rubbed a lot of people the wrong way about Sarri and how he handled his time at, at Chelsea. Um, but, you know, and it was decided very early on at some point that he was going to be leaving. Um, he ended up staying in January, but, you know, that was going to be his last a couple months with Chelsea, and now, you know, now Sarri's gone. Cahill had already left. I wonder, like, if, you know, it was a sure thing that, you know, Frank Lampard was coming in, um, what type of role Cahill could have played in this Chelsea unit. But, I mean, obviously I think he's he's sort of at the point of his career where he's got to go to a lower lower quality side. Yeah. Um, you know, and some players never hit that point, but... I think he. Uh, I think you're right about it. He's absolutely there. Now, um, I want to get delusional a little bit before we before we close things out. Um, I think we've had a good return, um, but this didn't feel rusty at all, which is kind of very which is weird. But I think the thing that works for me is that you know we've been in constant contact about you know transfer moves and everything. I'm always talking to Nick about it. I. I, I yeah. I'm I've delusional. I'm delusional in my everyday life that yeah. it really helps this out. I've had a less active transfer window, which has actually been very stress free. Because like, oh, are we going to get this guy? Are we going to say I? I, like, Chelsea aren't okay, getting I know. I know how. I know who we're going to have next season. It's just let's, how it's going to work out. It, you yeah. kind of got a project with Frank Lampard. You could give. I think Frank Lampard's a guy that you give two, three seasons, regardless of results, unless you know, unless you're, you're, you're in the unless you're in the drop zone. Like Fulham, who were bad. Yeah. Um, that one team that Dimitri Payet never played for, Hull. They were pretty bad. Oh, too. my God, they were bad. <laughs> um, but 
my delusion. It's it's almost a vague delusion. I'm really like I want to start off light for the uh, the new season. Yeah, ease us in. Either Liverpool or Manchester City. One of them is going to win the league. I have not made my prediction quite yet on which one of those teams it will be. Um, but I do not think that it will be either Man City 1 or Liverpool 2 or vice versa. You think One of those two clubs team. is going to finish in the top four but not in the top two. That, okay, I think as of right now, based on the top 20... Based on the top 20. The, the top 20, point. you mean the entire fucking league? Yeah. Dennis, Dennis Quaid's <laughs> top 20. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> and um, that's for the for the people that are listening from, to Footy You Do and Cue the Banter. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I've, like, structured a little bit. I have a table that I'll probably tinker with a little bit before we release on social. I think I have I, – I do have one of those teams in third place okay. as well. But I think I have the other in second. Ooh, interesting. Oh, it's gonna be. I think. I mean, we'll see. You're really gonna get so delusional to say that Spurs are gonna win the title. Yeah, that's what I have right now. Interesting. I don't know. I think. I think. Like, like you said about Harry Kane. I think he's gonna come off to a flying start this season. I, I, Harry Kane is a scary prospect. Oh God! I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> but again, you delusion—you deluded them into the Champions League final last year. We got to stop speaking these things into existence. <laughs> um, um, my table. We should, yeah, we, we should will, try other stuff we next week. <laughs> next week, when we release a pod, it'll be uh, transfer window closed. We are going to tweet out our table predictions on Friday before the Liverpool uh, Liverpool Norwich opener. Is it? Yes, on Friday. I can't even. You know what's weird? Think of how exciting that's gonna be. I'm watching the Community Shield today. I'm like, huh. The Premier League starts next week. Did they just get rid of the Super Cup? Do you have a Super Cup? I looked it up. It's like, no, that's in the midweek after the first game yes. of the season. Yeah, it's that's uh, so stupid. Liverpool Chelsea on the Wednesday. Yeah, that is so dumb. It it's is. A, it's a preseason game. It's a glorified preseason game. Yeah. See that that one, it like your preseason, like your international champions cup trophies means nothing. A step above that is the community shield. And then a step above that is the UEFA Super Cup. Yeah. Um so so that'll be interesting. Uh, could you imagine could you imagine Liverpool starts off the season I know they're not very important trophies, but they lose two trophies? That kind of that kind of takes a sting out of the the momentum you have coming into the season being the defending European champions. Yeah, that's like, oh, really... we lost. Oh, we couldn't beat the team that beat us to the league again last year, and now we lost to the Europa League winners. Yeah, that'll be rough. Um, when is the last time though? When is the last time a UEFA? Uh, when is the last time the Europa League winner won the UEFA Super Cup? Ah, that is a good question. I know Chelsea lost to Bayern on penalties in twenty fourteen. Lukaku missed his penalty and then they sent him to Everton. <laughs> like he never got a chance. That's incredible. Um, let's see. We're gonna look at UEFA Super Cup history. All right. 
2019 is obviously the Liverpool-Chelsea matchup. Uh, wow. That didn't take long. Was it last year? Yeah, Atletico Madrid beat Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> but, so... Man, it, my, it never happens. My, my thought process here is that it hadn't happened for a while, and I was right. The Actually, Atletico Madrid, they're the last three Europa League winners to win the Super Cup. Um, they did it in 2018, they did it in 2012 over Chelsea, and they did it in 2010 over Inter Milan. Okay. All after winning. So um, before last year, it was 2012s. Yeah. So, okay. and now I have another question uh, here. So the Super Cup is going to be in Istanbul. Um, last year it was... Why? Just hold it in freaking Wembley. Last, year it, was, last year it was in Estonia. The year before it was in Macedonia, then it was in uh, the year before that in Norway. It's bounced around a little bit, Prague, Cardiff, uh, you know. Um, but f- every single year from '98 to 2012, it was in Monaco, and I just want to know why. Just yeah, I mean, that's stupid. Just put it in, put it in Cardiff. In, like you have two English clubs. Well, you know it's already, it's chosen beforehand. Like next year, it's going to be in Portugal. But then don't play it before. Don't, just don't, don't play it after the don't season. Don't play starts. it. <laughs> Flip a coin. Like just go bowling. All right, Shakiri versus Ingolo Conte, the two shortest players of all time. Have them bowl. Not even a full game. One frame. No, <laughs> one frame. Whoever knocks down more pins. Don't even televise it. Yeah, whoever knocks down more pins actually loses the Super Cup. The winner goes to the There you go. You got a strike. <laughs> Fuck, we lost. We have gotten far more delusional than I actually expected. Um, oh, right. Yeah, left and right. Delusions left and right. But just to be clear, out. our biggest points from this episode. Hull were bad. <laughs> Fulham. Fulham. Were oh, my God. They were bad. <laughs> and Dimitri Payet plays for Marseille. Um, but make sure to follow us on Twitter at Footy Do, on Instagram at Footy Do. Uh, next week, we're going to get back to the good old Reddit question of the week um, and see what answers we get. We're going to try to get listener questions in from Reddit. If you have any questions, send them our way on Twitter or comment on an Instagram photo, whatever you feel uh, is the best way to reach out to us. Um, and as always... Pardon our French.